Welcome to the Successful Mind Podcast. On today's show, we're talking about complaining and how it can affect your business. This episode is perfect for those who are struggling with problems in their business that don't seem to go away. Let's get into it. Successful people learn how to make their minds work for them. We are Life Is Now, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. All right, this episode, I want to talk about complaining. I don't want to complain. I want to talk about complaining. Complaining. Yeah. People who complain and what they complain about. People who complain and what they complain about. And and the reason, I mean, the reason for this is in May of last year, well, actually it was in April of this year, not last year. In April of this year, um, I was introduced to the book. Uh, I think it's by, the author is Will Bowen, uh, B-O-W-E-N. And it's called A Complaint-Free World. I believe that's the name of the, the title. And I was turned on to this book by somebody who I have a lot of respect for, um, who is in a group that I'm in. And he did a challenge with his team um, because he was noticing that they were complaining a lot. They were complaining about their workload. They were complaining about their clients. They were complaining about anything and everything, yeah. right? Yeah. So he noticed it and wanted to do something about it. So he read this book, um, A Complaint-Free World. And he challenged his team. They were all, all in and, and on board to see if they could go 21 days straight without complaining. So I'm, I watch him, you know, I saw his Facebook post and I'm like, that, that can't be that big of a deal. Like, I mean, that, you know, that's what we teach, right? Like yeah. not complaining could be a great thing for a team. So I decided in our last team retreat in May that I would propose that we do this same challenge. So I got the book and I'm thinking this is going to be a super easy thing, right? Because I never considered myself a complainer. I just didn't. But after reading the book, I realized just how much I complained. And then I started noticing it within our team. And actually I started noticing it everywhere, right? It's kind of like that phenomenon that happens when you're going to buy a, a, a car, and then all of a sudden you see that same car everywhere, right? It's in your awareness. Right. So you, you begin to pick up on it everywhere. So we challenged, I challenged myself and the team to see if we could do 21 days consecutive. And that was in May. And I still haven't made it 21 days without complaining. That's fascinating. And it's only verbal complaints and it's sneaky, right? Well, so, so that's a good point that, that it's yes. sneaky. I want to ask you it's a question. It's very sneaky. So yeah, ask me the question. Okay. I'll so what's the that. difference between a complaint and verbalizing a problem? So verbalizing a problem, you verbalize a problem so that you can find a solution and it can change, right? A complaint is kind of like a gripe or the energy that you bring to it, kind right? So kind of, well, not, not, maybe not maybe, maybe whiny. Not whiny, maybe, maybe a little whiny, maybe. but the, the, <laughs> the example in the book, and it's a great book. I really highly recommend everyone read it. Um, but the example in the book was you sit down at a restaurant and the server brings you your soup and the soup's cold. Okay. So you have two choices. You can either complain about the soup being cold to everybody sitting at the table and then not say anything to 
someone that could actually do something about it. Or you can just simply say, excuse me, sir, can I please have my soup warmed up? It's a little cold, right? That's stating the fact and asking for what you need. Right. Most people default to complaining around the table and then not saying anything about it, right? So it's not that you don't address things that aren't the way that you want them, but it's the energy that you bring to addressing the things that you don't appreciate or don't like. And it's also about knowing that with every um, negative circumstance, there's an, op- an, equ- an opportunity present as well. If you complain, you don't see that opportunity, Yeah. right? Yep. Does that help a little yeah, bit? Yeah, 100%. I just wanted it to be clear. Yeah. So it's sneaky for me because it comes out, um, it comes out in little ways. Um, and I know that I've noticed that when I'm not expressing myself or when I'm, when I'm feeling upset about something and I'm not telling the person that I'm upset about what I'm like, what I'm, what I'm upset about, man, I'm having trouble with words today that it's, it's more difficult for me to catch myself complaining. It's like the, the suppression of not saying the true things that are really bothering me come out in a complaining way. So I will forget something somewhere and I'll just be like, oh shit, damn it. That that's a complaint. Gotcha. Right. So that's why it's kind of sneaky because that's kind of compulsive, right? Like that's, that's an acceptable way of, of complaining without complaining, but it's actually a complaint. But I noticed this with business owners. Um, by the way, no one on our team has made it 21 days except for Jake, who's our digital media producer. He made it 21 days. Everybody else is still on their path. I have my my bracelet on my wrist right now. And the idea is that when you catch yourself complaining, you move your bracelet from one wrist to another, which brings awareness to the fact that you've complained, but you also start over on day one. So you could be on day 14. And then if you complain, even the slightest complaint, you go back to day one, <laughs> right? So you see the dilemma here, yeah, yeah. right? It's 21 consecutive days of not complaining. And, you know, looking at this at a deeper level, I think it's very interesting because we talk to lots of business owners. I have business owners that are friends. Um, I, I travel and meet with different groups of business owners. And it's very interesting to notice how complaining is used. Do you know what I mean by that? How complaining is used? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know exactly what you're going to say next, but I'm very aware of different ways that I know how complaining is used like it's a mode of communication and bonding and people do it for various different reasons especially depending on the culture that they came from and where they uh, grew up in the world right perfect example totally benign example yesterday i was out running errands and it was raining it was the craziest rain like torrential downpour rain here and every store i went in the first thing the cashiers did was complain about the rain and if I overheard any conversation, it was people complaining about the complaining rain. Complaining about the rain. Right? Because that, that was like a greeting. It was used as like a way to connect with, yeah. with someone else. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, isn't it so great that, you know, we're finally getting rain. It was, God, when is this rain going to let up? I didn't know it was supposed to be rain today. It feels like it's, it's been raining all the time. Oh, the rain's knocking down all the fall leaves. Like, it ran the gamut. But the rain That's was the villain. interesting because they're repeating the same damn thing to everybody that's in <laughs> line thing. to check out, right? Same thing. Yes. Yeah. But I noticed that when I went, when I go to entrepreneurial groups as well, like people will find something common to complain about, whether it's the travel, 
the travel experience that they had, they'll complain about whether it's the check-in process at the hotel or the dinner last night that wasn't wasn't what they expected. There's always like this, I don't want to say always, but I've noticed that in many in many ways that's a safe way to start a conversation with someone you don't know. Yep. Is to is to get an get agreement over a complaint. That's a really interesting um phenomenon actually. And the reason that I say that is because I think when I think about it, uh, I it was one of the it was one of the reasons why I was asking questions in life at such an early age because I was around a lot of people that complained and they complained about everything, and I was under the assumption that they actually wanted to change. Without <laughs> no, I really was. I mean, it was a very. I mean, I was naive. Yeah, I yeah. Was a kid. I mean, I was the same. But I was really under this assumption and. Not even understanding how much of that pattern I had taken on myself at that time. But still trying to figure out, you know, what, how is it that, that people could actually change? And when I started to learn, and I would go back to individuals and say, listen, I found out this strategy or this thing or whatever to solve the problem. They did not want to solve the problem. And they would get indignant about... um holding on to whatever that complaint was in their life. And the more I studied, I began to realize like people have attached this way of communicating to their identity. Like it's part of who they are as a core person. Yeah. So changing it is significant because it's like you have to change your value system on what's important to you and consciously directing where you're going and, and what you're saying in that in that direction and not getting uh, kind of, you know, edified or, or having attention paid to you or acceptance um, through the mode of complaining like you're talking about. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of reasons why people complain, right? They complain to connect. They complain to feel important. Like, look at me, look at all these terrible things that have happened to me. Right. They, they complain for significance um, because they've, they've got low self-esteem, right? They, they complain to, for hoping for people to see their value. Look at how hard I work. You know, the whole martyr um, phenomenon. Look, yep. at, look at how hard I work. I have to do all these things. Poor me. I'm the smartest person. I'm, I'm the hardest worker kind of a thing. Um, and it was always interesting to me because I would go to these, these entrepreneurial groups and I'm, I'm an observer. So people think that I'm really shy. I'm not shy. I just don't I just don't talk generally when I'm in a group. I listen, I observe. And then if I've got something to add, then I, then I chime in. So the benefit of that is I hear and remember lots of different conversations. And there was one time where I was in a group and the, one, of the, one of the people in the group opened up with how disappointed they are in their team. Like, oh, my team is so, my, I can't get them to do, I got a lot of fire on it. Like going, going off on their team to these other business owners. And then I watched the domino effect, right? So then the next person chimed in with a complaint about their team member and the next person chimed in and complained about their team members. And I'm sitting there thinking, these people are crazy because I would take a bullet for any one of my team members. Like, I'm not complaining about my team, they're amazing. Mm -hmm. And it was really apparent to me why they have such a difficult time with team. <laughs> because. They're sitting around complaining, but they're not willing to do anything about it. They're not willing to address the systems and structures and procedures. They're not willing to have difficult conversations. They're not willing to set up 
measures of success. They're not willing to pay top of market to have great people on their team. They found more value in complaining about it than they did about actually doing something about it. And I have to say, going through this challenge and continuing on this challenge, I'm starting over at day one today because I've reset myself. Um, (laughs) Going through this challenge has been very eye-opening because it's interesting to me to see what I complain about, like the things that I complain about. And it's, it, it, like I said, it's really sneaky. And a lot of times I complain about stuff that I've, that I've personally done, like I've done or messed up with or, or, or whatever, or, you know, someone driving too slow in front of me. Um, come on, Jesus, I got to be at the office. Like, hurry up, right? It's a complaint. There's negative energy behind it. Um, but I also notice the business owners that we work with and what they complain about, right? Which is fascinating to me, especially based upon what we teach, right? We teach things very similar to the four agreements with be impeccable with your word. Don't right. speak anything that you don't wish in your life. Well, when you're constantly complaining, what does that do? It makes you focus on what you don't want. It makes you focus Constantly. on what you don't want. And it puts you in the energy of what you don't want, right. right? It does. So you've got a business owner who continues to complain about being overwhelmed. What do you think that does to sales? They're not going to bring in more sales if they're overwhelmed. No. So instead of focusing on doing the things that are uncomfortable to get them out of overwhelm, they focus on overwhelm, thus pushing sales away, yep. pushing, pushing growth away. You have people that complain about team members, but yet they say they want amazing team members, but they're not willing to do the things to build an amazing team. So what do they do? They continue to stay in the energy and attract the wrong people to their team. Yeah, absolutely. And you teach, you have a great teaching and this is, this is law of vibration stuff. Um, This is for agreements stuff. You've got some great teachings around what happens when you consistently speak things that you don't want. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, is that this is really such a fascinating topic because there's several levels to it, actually. You've got the complaint itself, which is, can only occur by you consistently noticing what you don't want and what's wrong or what's not making you happy or whatever. So it's also a reaction. It's not something something a person is generally consciously doing, right? It's mm-hmm. subconscious reaction. And then there's the reason why they're doing it. Like, why is it a subconscious reaction? So there's two things happening simultaneously. And when we talk to people about the idea of, oh, you're going to change your vibration or change your energy, it's not so much the thing that you say, but the reason that you're saying it. What is the underlying reason that you complain? Why did the habit develop in the first place? And what you and I both know, um, not just from experience, but from studying, right, and understanding what's taking place here, is that it became a form of bonding in their youth. So it's a needs-met uh, uh, activity, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And by doing this, they're attempting to get their needs met. So, th- so let's think about this. Everybody probably has things in their business that they could complain about. We've got things in our business that we could complain sure. about. Sure, 
So when you look, when you, when you expose yourself or when you become exposed or you recognize that there's something in your business that you can complain about, if a person was to stop and ask themselves how they actually feel in that moment, it's probably along the range of, I'm feeling insecure. And un, yeah, and unempowered. And unempowered. Like, like um, helpless almost. Right. So what's my strategy to feel secure and empowered again? And, and maybe even not alone, complaining, right? So if you got your needs met as a child through that modality of communication, it had nothing to do with what was wrong. It had to do with how people responded to you based on what it is that you were actually complaining about. Because what we know is most people who complain don't actually want to change the problem. Right. Right? They just want to complain. So why would somebody want to complain? Right? Like if you, once you become conscious that somebody, that you're sitting with somebody who's constantly complaining, you think to yourself, oh my God, I got to get away from this. Like it starts to. It, oh, it's awful. Yeah. It's, it's really, it gets really bad. But if you understand that, well, here's something to add. So as you're listening to this, think to yourself, the things that you complain about, do you actually strive to change those things immediately? Or have you been complaining about the same things for a long time? Like a spouse or an unperforming business partner or not enough money or the way the world is or blah, 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 whatever. Gas prices. Yeah, <laughs> gas prices. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting one. Um, because if you're not actually doing something to solve the problem that you're witnessing, but you're complaining, you're complaining for a different reason. And I think it's very important to know that because it's not just stopping the complaining. It's redirecting how you get your needs met through some, doing something completely different. If I try to just stop doing something that's dysfunctional without understanding this is a, this is a strategy for me to get my unmet needs met, I won't address that problem and it'll come out in a different way that's probably not good either. So there's multiple ideas to this thing. And like you said, it's, it's very true. Everything that we say or do is on a frequency or, or a vibration. And everything that's the equivalent to it would be on the same frequency or vibration. Our mind also works in a way where the things that we say to ourselves over and over again tell our brain what to look for, right? It says, pay attention, mm -hmm. notice this, this is significant or you know, dangerous or, or whatever. So the things that we repeat are the things that we consistently see, which then become the things that we repeat, which become the things that we consistently see. And then that becomes our reality. And our reality then determines um, how optimistic or pessimistic we are. Like We're constantly inundated with this is the reality without understanding that there's a different reality that could be changed by focusing on something else. But in order to focus on something else, I have to start thinking differently. I have to have a different objective and I have to start speaking differently about what I want so that my brain will start noticing the other things. We have to, everything is here at the same time. Right. The negative thing and the positive here, the positive thing are both in the same place at the same time. You experience what you tell your brain to experience. Can you give some examples of this? Um, well, I mean, if you look at any if you look at any uh, situation or circumstance that happens, it has both a positive and a negative. And it's really interesting because here's where you'll see people push back on this uh, uh, 
really kind of sternly, is they'll look at something that is like a catastrophe or a trauma-inducing event, like somebody lost a child or a pet or parent or whatever, and they'll say, tell me what's good about that. Tell me what's good about that. Like they get indignant around the idea that there can be nothing good about this whatsoever. And the, the thought process, the only thing that they're focused on when they do that is the pain of their loss but they're not looking at it from a holistic perspective like everybody dies, right? And when something dies, something is born, right? We learn something through the transitions mm-hmm. of life. All of these things exist in the same place. Money and poverty exist in the same place at the same time. What, it, what you're looking at is abundance. And when you focus on what you don't have, you have more of what you don't have. When you focus on what you do have, you'll get more of what it is that you want. Um, you could take, you could take simple things and realize that any physical object that you look at has a polar opposite side to it and they're connected. Uh, anything that has an opposite is connected, right? It it meets in the middle someplace, but your mind will only see what it, what you focus on. Like, so if I tell it that this is bad, 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 that's all I'm going to see is what's wrong with it. Instead of looking for consciously making a redirect in my mind and go, okay, wait a second. Yeah, there's a lot of bad things. That's easy. What about this can actually be good? And actually start moving my mind over and and looking for that. Because when you do that, you start seeing it. I think I remember you telling a story one time about how this how this plays out in relationships. So taking a little tangent from business for a second, because it applies so well, where you have a couple. And the husband leaves his socks on the floor. And the wife can only focus on the fact that he's left his socks on the floor and creates all kinds of stories about how he doesn't care about her and how, how, how inconsiderate he is because he leaves his socks on the floor and goes to work and complains to everyone about how her husband constantly leaves his socks on the floor, but never actually has a conversation with him about agreements. Right. Right. So she doesn't see all the other good things about her husband, why she fell in love with him to begin with, and all the good things that are about their relationship. All she can see is what she believes to be true about him leaving his socks on the floor. Is that what we're talking about? Yes. And yes. And then the person will make up stories around that. They usually will internalize those stories and make it about them. And then that causes them to start looking for every other damn thing that's wrong with somebody. When I worked with my mentor, he used to do something in relationships that I thought was the most simplistic thing you've ever seen and yet it worked. People would come to him and they would say our marriage is falling apart, you know, this that or or the other and he would instruct them to stop looking at was what was wrong with each other and start looking for what was right. Just that's it. Not learning yeah. skills or anything else, just rechanging <laughs> what the hell they were focused on about each other. And sometimes people didn't want to do that. And he would say, were you ever in love with this person? And they'd be like, well, yeah, in the beginning. And they would, he would point out that nothing's changed. The only thing that's actually changed is what they started focusing on. And that's where the sock story came from. Ah, so it was a story that you yeah. told. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was, yeah. I was hoping I was remembering that correctly. Yeah, that's where it came from. But it's true. You know, it's true in, it's true all over in business. You know, you not you. There are business owners that will consistently complain about their clients. 
like consistently complain about their clients. Yeah, whether always, it's, that's interesting. Whether it's support issues or, you know, so-and-so's still having the same problem with technology or so-and-so can't seem to, you know, so-and-so shows up and asks the same question every single time, you know, those types of yeah, things, yeah. but yet they want to, they want more clients. They do. But we're kind of raised in a weird world. Like, especially working class or, or middle class people, when you're, many of us are exposed to the idea that the business owner is a bad person in some way. Like, there's a lot of judgment around successful people. Oh, yes. And that you've got to do all these different things to protect yourself and when you go to work. for another. So it's a very divided situation. It's not like, hey, we are actually joining together to accomplish amazing goals together. It's kind of like me and them. Uh, when I worked in corporate, it was fascinating because the people that I worked for had a me and them ideology. And they actually believed, the owner of the company I worked for actually believed that it was his job to make people miserable if they made a mistake and would direct us in meetings to do things to make their lives miserable. And, I, you know, I didn't have a lot of experience then with working with a lot of different people. So everything in my body said, this is completely wrong. But I didn't know, is that actually what's necessary in a business in order to make a, a business function? So I had to, I really had to strive to learn a lot more about that. But the thing was, was that there's so much of the us and them that the kids are taught at a young age, they don't know that it could actually be a harmony right. uh, when they're older. So they, they go into this thinking, this is how I have to protect myself. And there's that language again about complaining about everybody else and everything else. And then if a person starts a business and they haven't changed it, they, your gold mine right is your employees. Yeah. Right? It's your gold mine. Yeah. And you're going to talk about, bad about them behind their back, consistently complain about, about those people? Yeah. I've said this over and over again. I was on a podcast recently and this, this topic came up, you know, about being an authority, like being the authority of your business. And I just flat out said, I've never considered myself an authority. I feel like I work for my team rather than them working for, for me. Right? Like, the more I can build them up, the more that I can develop them, the more I can give them the resources and tools and support they need, the better the business runs mm -hmm. and works and grows. Um, so it's this archaic way of thinking that creates that that divide between of, of us versus yeah, them, right? Um, I was going to say something. We also see, I also see this, especially with... Um, some of the female entrepreneurial groups that I'm in is parents complaining about their kids. Like not stating the problem that they're having, asking for help, but just flat out complaining about their kids. Yep. And I, I, it's hard for me to listen to it. Um, because there's, you know, I don't know how you feel about self-fulfilling prophecy, but your kids over here, you complaining about enough there. They believe exactly what, uh, yeah, you what they hear. Yeah. Yet you will create an expectation for your children by doing that to think and don't think that they don't know what you think about them. I've, I've seen this in my personal life with people that I've known. I think it's horrific. Um, and the things that I've heard people, the things I've heard people say about their kids is, astonishing and with absolutely no idea what the what what it is that they're putting into their head 
as far as an expectation of their behavior. Yeah. I mean, that that goes for complaining in front of their kids and complaining not in front of their Correct. kids. Their kid still knows. Right. Yeah. So I, I, it's rampant. I mean, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I, I really challenge you to just pause and think about how many times you've complained in the last 24 hours. That was one of the instructions in the book. And I, it was such a wake-up call for me to sit and think about how many times I actually complained in the last 24 hours. And I think, I think the book said the average is like 11 to 16 times. Like it's insane, right? Yeah, yeah. And most people do not even know that they're doing it. Most people, if you said, oh, are you a complainer? They'd say, no, I'm not a complainer. I'm a really positive person. Yeah. But they don't even hear themselves because it's so socially acceptable. It's so a part of them. Um, it's the water cooler, right? It's, it provides connection. It provides significance. Um, it gets their needs met, right? They feel like they belong. Yep. They've got an easy way to connect. I mean, I started going to meetings and I, I prepare myself with opening questions because it always defaults to complaints. So I'll walk up to a group and we'll be sitting there having, having a drink or dinner or just standing there, you know, in a meet and greet or whatever. And I'll just flat out say, you know, you know, what's one exciting thing going on in your life right now? You know, like what's one exciting thing and going on in your life right now? how many times do you see people go? They have to actually they, start to, they have to think about it. It takes a while. Right? But they don't do, bitch about everything yes. at the drop of a hat. Yeah, yeah. Right? It takes a while, right? And then and then it it's does. a and then it's a positive, uplifting conversation, which what then leads to how can I help you with that? Right, right. Right? Like and everybody wins rather than complaining about something that people aren't willing to look at changing. Yep. Exactly. So Exactly. Tell everybody what the book is again. So the book is called A Complaint Free World. Yes, thank you, Brandon, for fact-checking me. And it's by Will Bowen, B-O-W-E-N. And it's actually a program that's been done all over the world. Um, organizations pick it up and do it with their employees. Teachers do it with their students. Um, we're doing it currently with our team. It's really, really great. I highly recommend you read the book before you do mm -hmm. the, the challenge. Yep. Um, and it's shockingly difficult. The person that I heard, it, heard about this from... Um, told me that it took him eight months. Wow. And I honestly have never heard the man complain ever. And it took him eight months. And what am I? That's May, June, July. I'm on month six. So I better get going. I have to beat his, I have to beat his eight months. We have to beat his eight months. Um, but it is, it's really, really challenging, especially if you're honest with yourself, right? Like it, it requires you to pay attention to the words that come out of your mouth. When yeah. so often we're just, walking around completely unconscious and I also think that that people need not only pay attention to the words that come out of your mouth but ask yourself what is it that you're really complaining about? what are you looking for by complaining let me rephrase that what are you looking for by complaining because there's a difference between the thing you're complaining about and the reason that you're actually doing it and if you want to change it understanding the reason why you're doing it what it is that you're what need are you getting met by actually complaining so that you can understand how to get that need met in another way will make it easier to actually stop complaining. That's the right. way that I was taught to do it. Like back when I worked with my mentor, he didn't do the thing with the rubber band, but there was the, the idea of you're doing this because it's a way that you seek to get your needs met. So if you, if you understand what that is and you change that, you can do it consciously and it's easier to, to change that, that process. 
And that also comes down to another thing, which I think is really interesting. People don't believe they can have what they want. Oh, a hundred percent. Right? So there's this, there's this idea underneath of it. Like I, I have to suffer. I have to, you know, sacrifice I, you know, I have to be a martyr. There's, there's some of that energy under some of this complaining that we see for sure. There are so many stories popping in my mind right now, based upon what you just said. Right. Uh-huh. I, and one, another story is the, the, um, snowstorm flight story, right. Where you wanted to be home. Right. You could have sat and complained about the fact that you couldn't get home or you could have focused your energy, every bit of your energy on how to get home and right. you got home. Whereas there are people that would have just loved to have made a complaining story about it so that they could feel That was the worst part, spending 12 hours in Atlanta's airport when everything was completely shut down and oh staying gosh. away Listening. from everybody complaining and trying to keep my mind focused on I'm going home, I'm going home. It was so important to me that which the reason why is another story, but it was so important for me to do that. And I would sit down, like I'd sit down in the bar, have a drink or have a sandwich or, or whatever. And you'd immediately hear people complaining. I would get up and move. And Atlanta is such a major hub. It oh, was, yeah. And then the whole Midwest was shut down because O'Hare w- w- and uh, the, yep. the Midwest airports were closed. So, and I, but I did. I got home. I got home that night. And then another, here's another interesting thing about that was that after I got home, the complaining didn't stop because people were, accusing me of being selfish and flying in a dangerous snowstorm. And I, my wow. retort to that was, I'm not the professional to make the decision whether it's safe to fly the plane or not. <laughs> they are. <laughs> and you made it just fine. And I made it just fine. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think if people really stop and think about how much they complain and the reason behind it, that's going to be a big gift. For this week. I think so. Um, I know. I would like to hear the stories. I, I caught myself. Actually, it was at the retreat where I was teaching this. I had the bracelet on my wrist. And I was in the bedroom. And Brandon likes to have the TV on. He likes to have the TV on all the time. And it kind of makes me crazy. We've talked about this. And we've got agreements in place now. But I noticed <laughs> myself. Uh, we, we know this. I noticed myself coming out of the bedroom where there was golf on. And he wasn't even home. Yeah. Like. He had gone, he had actually gone golfing. I came out of the the bedroom and I went over to Liz, who was our director of curriculum, director of social media. And I said, oh my God, he's not even here and the stinking TV is on. And I stopped myself and I was like, whoa, this is, I'm complaining because I don't want to talk to him about this because I don't want to rock the boat. Right? Yeah. So it, it shows up in the sneakiest places whether it's like a, a shit or a damn out of your mouth when you've done something or something didn't go right, or it's complaining about your significant other, complaining about your team, complaining about your food, complaining about the weather. It all comes from the same negative place. Yeah. It doesn't move you forward. Nope. Keeps you where you are. Or actually moves you backwards. Nope. And and you know, it's funny because as you're telling things, I'm thinking of things and I'm thinking how difficult we must make it for children when they grow up in this energy because we don't give them a way out. We tell them they can't have what they want, can't have everything right. that you want. Stop asking people for stuff. It's rude, right? We don't give them a way to even create an internal boundary and appreciate the great things that they have in their life on a consistent basis. You know, because if you can have what you want, why the complaining is extinct? Right, right, like exactly. There's no reason for it. 
There's no outward reason for yeah. it anyway, right? There's a, the internal reasons. Right. But even, you, you can't even talk too much about, like, if you think about this, as you're listening to this, just, just give this a thought. If everywhere you went and every situation that you're in with other adults, you said, my life is freaking fantastic. I absolutely love my life. How long would it be for people to start giving you a funny look? Oh, right away. Right away. Right away, right? You get accused of bragging. You know, you're too good. You're glad everything's wonderful for you. Like there's all different kinds of nonsense that starts to come out that, try, that really is like, let's keep pushing ourselves down into the, the, these miserable martyrs in life. And we've got this incredible ability to not live that way. I think that's a great place to end. Mm-hmm. We have oh, yeah, but crap. we can't end yet. I need oh. to defend my good name here. Before you try and walk us off without oh, me even saying one thing, you were close to getting out of here before this. But first of all, I want to just mention to the listening audience, those are not my socks on the floor. That no, was a completely made up story. It was. The golf is for my dog. He finds the green and the light clapping comfortable. So I left that on for the dog. Not to mention, I love to walk into a room and just hear voices speaking all the time. So that's why it's always nice to have that on. I love that you share these stories, but there is one thing that I did want to talk about really quick. And I know we're running short on time. There's this, there's this conversation I'm having in my head between suppressing all these complaints and expressing them in a healthy way. And I know you talked about expressing them and how you reframe the conversation with the person you're having issue with or the situation you're taking issue with. But is there a possibility that the suppression of this, people are immediately going to say, well, I'm just not going to talk. Because when I took on this converse, when I took on this challenge, that was my big thing. I was just trying to avoid everyone <laughs> entirely because I knew the second I opened my mouth, I'm, I'm, I'm a positive person, but I'm also a complainer. And I know this. And I too am on day one. There's the purple bracelet to prove it. But as we go through this, I just kind of want to talk briefly about suppression and expression and how that can be done in a healthy manner. Crickets. Well, I, I will say one of the things about the book that kind of I kind of disagree with a little bit is that a complaint is something only something that you verbally express. I, I'm not so sure I agree with that. I, I've been up and down about it since you told me about that rule. So the rule isn't that that's what defines a complaint. That's just what they call a complaint in the challenge. So technically, I know, that's you where say I'm going, it in your... That's, oh, okay. where, I'm going, okay, that's okay. where I'm going with okay. this. So in terms of, in terms of this challenge, because that's what, what Brandon's yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah, um, the, you know We've got this chatter that's constantly running around in our mind. So the idea is how do we redirect? How do we redirect this? And I think you have to ask yourself a couple of questions. Number one, the obvious is catch yourself complaining, right? Become aware that you're actually doing it. I The second thing for me is what need are you trying to get met, trying to meet in this form of communication? Uh, because I think that's very important because I think it determines how you ask for what you mm-hmm. want, right? Yes. You know, like uh, if I'm going to complain that somebody left their socks on the floor, if I ask myself, okay, if I'm sitting to sit here and bitch about this, what need am I actually trying to get met? Am I trying to be right? Am I trying to be righteous? Um, am I trying to feel better about myself? Because it may have, like, do the socks even bother me at all, actually? Or am I just using that as a way to justify my own thought process? And I think that that's a really important question to ask. Because then if it's like, yes, I'm actually, I'm not actually feeling good about myself 
right now and I'm using the socks as an excuse. Okay, so what is it that I need to be doing to feel good about myself? What need am I not getting met? What do I need to ask for from um, a partner, a spouse, a business partner, um, an employee, team member, whoever, and then and then address it from th- that perspective. That's that's kind of my process. Like if I catch myself complaining, I ask myself, what the hell am I complaining about? Because I know, I mean, I've been doing this for so long, I really don't complain that much. I'm thinking in my head, if I find myself complaining, I'm like, there's something else wrong. What yes. is it that's actually yes. bothering me? Right. And then I start to address it from there because I know that everything's here and it it's not everything's re- actually pretty easy. So what is the real prop? What is the real problem? Yeah. And for for me, a lot of my complaints are about are about ex- expression. Right. So if I'm complaining about something, I stop and I say, what is this about and who do I need to have a conversation with? Like this is about taking taking the complaint away from being a complaint and and changing it into a healthy mode of communication. Mm. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. And you, Brandon, what is it for you? Uh, for for me, well, first of all, kudos to Steph for not complaining about the drain fly that's wreaking havoc in oh this room God. right now. You Suckling. haven't once brought it up. That's amazing. He's been over here Suckling too. He head. says hello. Um, you know, f- for me, th- this has been one of the hardest things I've had to do because I don't consider myself a complainer, but the more I engage in the process, I've made it six days. That's my all-time great. The more I've engaged in it, the more I feel as if um, I am, I'm just using it to communicate and be validated. That's, that's the big thing for me. It's total validation for me. I want to be validated and that's why it's about the weather. It's about my aching joints or my sore back or my eyes don't work so well. Like these are all benign complaints that don't hurt anybody, but they actually are a complaint. You know, venting, Sorry, people. It's complaining. If you vent, you it, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that this is this challenge is for everybody. But if you do engage in it, and we'll leave a link below about where you can go and pick up this book. It's funny to go meta. Looking at the complaints about the book is so meta <laughs> on the Amazon <laughs> reviews. Like people are complaining that oh, they don't even include the bracelet with this. Blah, blah blah. He's just trying to sell rubber bands. Like all this, just like we used to sell. We used to turn the 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 air conditioning on at David's events, like 40 degrees so we could sell more blankets. Remember that conversation? (laughs) But the reality is it's so funny to read these and it's not for everybody, but for me, it really has pointed out that I notice how it's used in connecting with people and that's how I connect and become validated. I also learn to avoid those people. Um, Not like overtly, but if I hear someone complaining, I won't nod my head in agreement. I will step away from that. And then finally, it allows me to step back, like David was saying, and reframe and basically, you know, approach it in a different direction. Uh, you know, like Steph, you said so brilliantly how if you have an issue with your spouse, talk about it. This all, everything it seems comes down to communication. If you have effective communication, there won't be a complaint because you're asking for what you want in a specific way. And you can't just complain randomly to someone who can't fix it. You can't complain to the person sitting across from you to fix the cold soup. They can't do anything about it. Unless it's species swa. Yeah. <laughs> you can ask the individual who brought you the yes. soup to fix yes. it. So I love that. But just one more thing before we go, and I know we're really short on time, but I cannot get over this. I was doing some searching as you guys were on here and I was learning about this group. They looked at 80,000 negative reviews online. They went through and actually did some research on this. And they came up with a list of the number one male name and the number one female name that is most likely to give a one-star review. Anybody have any guesses? Oh my gosh. 
to give no. a no, one no star idea. review. Oh so, well, first of all, most people out there have heard of the phrase Karen, right? So yeah. Karen is supposedly yeah. that's that's an individual who always is complaining about something. Know, this middle-aged person. That. Yeah, I do I too. So many I, good I know so many good Karen. Karen. So uh, Karen is not the number one person uh, on this list who is the complainer. It's actually Sarah is most likely to leave a number one complaint. Not our Sarah Murphy, of course, our no. director of sales, but Sarah is the number one female What's and that? she comes What's on number male? 10. Um, I'm afraid I don't want to say it out loud. Just say it. Well, he just talked. David? <laughs> David. I've never it's left a complaint David. online. It's not you, David. It's, it's other you, it's Davids. The You're the perfect David. David. But again, re- they're remember. Also, they're also listen, really popular It's such a names. common name. Yeah. I mean, David wow. and Paul and John and Chris. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. these are, these are names. Brandon's not on the list because there's like 12 of us out there right now. But the reality <laughs> is it's David and I cannot get enough of it. But I thought that was that was really funny. And another Man. thing. So David's and Sarah should never marry. Seriously. Oof. Oh, my God. That would what be very, very rough. Force that would be. Jesus. <laughs> and then finally, 131%. This this statistics that came out of this study said that uh, men are more likely to leave a negative review than women online. Now, I don't know about in person. I've, oh. I've dealt with a lot of people, both male and female yeah. that dealt with this, but the, yeah, they're more likely, 131% more likely based on these 80,000 reviews to, interesting. Uh, to be males. Yeah, interesting. So crazy. So hmm. I really like this. I'm going to go get started on my, uh, my complaint challenge and I'm also going to turn off the TV. Good idea. All right, everybody quit your bitching out there. And, uh, and pay attention. Pay attention. Get busy. Thanks for joining us today on the Successful Mind Podcast. We appreciate you listening each week and thank you for continuing to support the show. If you haven't done so already, be sure to leave us a review and share it with a friend or colleague. Also, if you're interested in becoming a better leader, be sure to take our visionary leader assessment at www.lifeisnowinc.com forward slash leader. It's completely free and extremely valuable. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. If you like what you've heard and you want to know more, go to lifeisnowinc.com.